I have a very distinct memory in 10th grade reading in an English class. The phrase was, I read it out loud. It said, he howled at the moon like a lunatic. And I said, what's a lunatic? I had never heard that word before. And people around me are laughing and they're thinking I'm joking. And I'm totally straight. I'm like, I've never heard that word, a lunatic. And my teacher looks at me, she's like, the word is lunatic. And I kid you not, I mean, it was as if somebody shuffled the letters and it was like, oh, like it was like a whole new word. ADHD Rewired episode 155. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Did you miss early registration for our spring coaching groups? For three days only, Thursday, February 16th, Tuesday, February 21st, and Tuesday, February 28th, I'm opening up my calendar so you can get $400 off by registering early. And if you qualify for six months interest-free financing through PayPal, that's less than 170 bucks a month. Those dates again are Thursday, February 16th, Tuesday, February 21st, and Tuesday, February 28th. Go to coachingrewired.com to reserve your spot. Registration is by appointment only. I only have a few spots on these days, so don't wait to schedule your call. To learn more, to schedule your call, go to coachingrewired.com. Spring sessions start April 24th. The website again is coachingrewired.com. Do you have a question about productivity or ADHD that you'd like me to answer? Do you have a topic you want to talk to me about? Join us every second Tuesday of the month at 12.30 p.m. Central Time for an hour of live Q&A. To register, go to erictibbers.com slash events. You can ask me questions live on video or enter it in the Q&A box during the event or submit your questions ahead of time. Your questions may be heard on an upcoming episode. To confirm dates and times and to register, go to erictibbers.com slash events. See you there. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is returning once again is Dr. Roberto Olivardia. Dr. Olivardi is a clinical instructor of psychology at Harvard Medical School and maintains a private practice in Lexington, Massachusetts. Um, he's been on the show many times. I'm going to give you the abridged version of your your bio. Um, he specializes in a lot of things, including ADHD, uh, OCD, bipolar disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, um, personality disorders. Mm-hmm. See a lot of personality disorders, eating disorders. And, uh, and and one of the things I always love about Roberto is you know there's so many I think mental health professionals out there who claim to specialize in so many things. Roberto is one of the few people who I know personally who claims to specialize in so many things and really knows so much and really is specialized in so many things. Um, So Roberto, welcome back to the show. It's great. Always great being here. Okay. So we're going to talk today about dyslexia. 
Yes. And you have both personal and professional um, sort of knowledge in this area. Definitely. All right. So let's start with the, how did you get interested in dyslexia? Well, first of all, about 50 to 60% of people with ADHD have a learning disability. And 80% of those individuals who have a learning disability have dyslexia. And dyslexia is, I would say, as poorly understood as ADHD often is, and is often thought to be one thing when in fact, it's rarely that thing. Um, in addition, I have a son who's 11 years old who is dyslexic, who was diagnosed at uh, the age of six. We had full neuropsych testing uh, before first grade. And through actually that, um, through his experience, I'm sort of recognizing a lot of my reading issues, particularly when I was younger, that I always sort of chalked up as more a function of my ADHD. Um, I think some of it actually was sort of definitely on the dyslexic continuum as well. Um, although the ADHD definitely plays a role in that, which we can talk about sort of how to tease that out. Yeah, I'm very interested in that because the more I have talked to you, like every time I have a conversation with you about dyslexia, I'm like, wait a minute, like that sounds a lot like me. So I'm definitely <laughs> looking forward to, to sort of getting into this conversation with you too. And yes. um, I want you to share too about, about, uh, about Roman, uh, your son, and uh, he was just, I've never seen someone who was more of a splitting image of their dad than your son. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. both your kids. So I just wanted yeah. to throw that out there. It's, uh, yes. you know, he's, my it's, he's my mini me. That's what we say. <laughs> okay, so um, you, you're learning about this because of your son. Yeah, and also just a number of my uh, patients also either um, have diagnosed dyslexia or are come in and are undiagnosed as dyslexic until I sort of recommend that they get testing and, and whatnot, and it turns out a number of them have dyslexia. Um, and so you'll find that you know, in, in the dyslexic world um, and community um, that you'll see a lot of people who are of that sort of same sensibility as people with ADHD. So it's, uh, I always say that if you have ADHD, you should always be, particularly for students, you should always be assessed for learning disabilities. And if you have a learning disability, you should always be assessed for ADHD. It's, it's that common for the two to be seen together. So let me ask you this. Let's start with the obvious question. What is dyslexia? It's a great question. So I'm going to read you verbatim the International Dyslexia Association's uh, statement about what dyslexia is, and then I can sort of break it down for you. Can you do it in an accent? Because when I hear you're going to read verbatim, I'm like, oh, wait, this is going to be boring. Do you do accents? <laughs> accent. I don't know. I'm not very good at accents. I can try. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Dyslexia is a specific learning disability that is neurobiological in origin. It is characterized by difficulties with accurate and or fluent word recognition and by poor spelling and decoding abilities. These difficulties typically result from a deficit in the phonological component of language that is often unexpected in relation to other cognitive abilities and the provision of effective classroom instruction. Secondary consequences may include problems in reading comprehension and reduce reading experience that can then impede growth of vocabulary and background knowledge. So that's the official definition. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a big accent person, so I couldn't really deliver it. I could have done it in I probably could have sang it. That might have been actually interesting. Um, but so what that means is, and I could tell you from my my son's experience that so at the basics of language are what we call uh, phonemic awareness. So our ability to read starts with our ability to know the sound that goes with a certain letter. So what we call phonemic awareness, we see the letter D, our brain understands that that means D. When we see the letter B, it's B. 
And people who are not dyslexic, this process is, just becomes automatic, what we call an automaticity of this process. For dyslexics, that's not the case. And so even if they see the T and they're told T, they might read it as that, but then the next word, it's almost like their brain hasn't grasped onto that. Mm. So not only now do we need to know the different sounds with letters, but then when we put them together, we have to have a certain level of working memory. This is where ADD can overlap with this, that has to remember. So if I say, if I present you with the word cat, your brain in a split second, if you're not dyslexic, is going cat, cat. For someone with dyslexia, it could be it could be any of those sounds. It's a, a uh, and then by the time you get to the T, it's like, well, what were those first two letters? And oh, then man. how does that word go together? And then sometimes by the time you get to the T, you might say tack because you're going with the sound that's in front of you and almost kind of, you know, reversing the letters in a way. Um, so it can be really, really difficult. And then there are lots of words that are not, um, sort of phon phonetic. So you have the word the is not the, it's the or of, O-F. It's not O-V, it's O-F, mm -hmm. which if we said it phonetically would be off, but it's not off. So there are a bunch of yeah. words that we have to just learn. And that's when I sort of recognized, I knew that, you know, I, my son's my oldest. I knew that he was ADHD. I mean, that, that wasn't a question, <laughs> knowing the genetics of that and, and for myself and in my family. What was interesting was the dyslexia because I have a daughter as well, and she didn't speak until she was two, two and a half. Mm. And that's a common feature for a lot of dyslexics is that mm. they're late talkers. So I was prepared that she was going to have dyslexia. My son, early talker, amazing vocabulary and verbal comprehension. But here he was in kindergarten right before first grade and he couldn't say the word the. And I would say, okay, it's the cat, you know, went to, and there was the word the again. And it was like, it was a totally different word. And like he was every time you see this word that just requires the, that phonetic awareness, it was like, he had to figure it out every single time. It was a whole oh. different word. And I thought, this is interesting. And so I was going to do a full neuropsych assessment anyway before he went into first grade mm -hmm. um, because I knew the ADHD was there. And I was surprised by um, the dyslexia and by the severity of it. It was quite severe. Um, so you have that phonemic awareness and then you have uh, syllable segmentation issues. So we sort of learned that, let's say a word like teacher is teach-er, teacher, mm -hmm. not teak-her. Teaker, which is now a totally different word. And so our ability to kind of segment words. Now I remember, and this still happens even today, but I have a very distinct memory in 10th grade reading in an English class for um, a class where the teacher was not particularly fond of me <laughs> um, for a number. Well, I was, I can't a, bit, imagine I was why. A, a bit of a class clown. <laughs> and the, the phrase was, um, I read it out loud. It said, he howled at the moon like a lunatic. And I said, what's a lunatic? I had never heard that word before. And all people around me are laughing and they're thinking I'm joking. And I'm totally straight. I'm like, I've never heard that word, a lunatic. I, and my teacher looks at me, she's like, the word is lunatic. And I kid you not, I mean, it was as if somebody shuffled the letters and it was like, oh, like it was like a whole new word. Mm. And that has happened many, many times. Like to, I mean, even- I've had things uh, like that, yeah. Oh, that, that I've said, like for years, I remember 
um, seeing the word epitome written, and I would read it as epitome. And I don't know what I thought an epitome was, but that's how I read it. And then it, I remember once, I think I was in college, where I looked at it, and suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, that's epitome. I would use the word epitome very well, I mean, verbally, but reading-wise. And when I was younger, I had a very hard time reading, and I had a very hard time sort of reading fluidly, and it was just, and then, of course, the ADD made it hard, because if it wasn't interesting to me, then that was even more issue. But people with dyslexia also, because they don't have that automaticity, things like rhyming become very difficult. So in other words, people who don't have dyslexia don't have to learn like bat, cat, fat, hat as four separate words. If you can master bat and then you know if we take out the B and you put in, let's say, the H, and if you know that H is then we have the at down. We don't have to already, we don't need to break that down again. So Dr. Seuss books are actually great books uh, to, to read in general. But if you are looking for data for, in terms of your child's reading, read Dr. Seuss books because dyslexics have a very, very difficult time with Dr. Seuss books. Mm. Whereas if you are someone, um, because Dr. Seuss books are a lot of nonsense yeah. words that really rely on your ability for phonemic awareness and your ability to rhyme. So when it says the zat went into the gat and had a gnat, those aren't real words, but we know from the principles of that how to rhyme those words. I love Dr. Seuss. Oh, they're phenomenal books. But my son could not read a Dr. Seuss oh, book. Man. I mean, it was very, very, because they're all these like nonsense words. Because what my son did, and this is very important for people, because dyslexia is massively underdiagnosed, massively underdiagnosed. And when it is often diagnosed is around fourth and fifth grade at the earliest, because in, in school systems, we go from learning to read to reading to learn, right. and it becomes very apparent who has issues you know, with reading, because that automaticity, dyslexics are also very poor spellers. If you saw my son's writing, interestingly, I have no problem reading it. My wife cannot decipher it, but it's all phonetic. I mean, it's just basically phonetic spelling. So as long as you can stick to phonetic spelling, but see, non pure non-dyslexics have a hard time with that because your brain is used to seeing a word spelled a certain way. Whereas I feel, I don't know, and this is what sort of, I remember spelling that way, and it was, there's a flexibility of being able to see words in that kind of manner. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always had, a, I still have atrocious spelling. And there's certain words that, like, I can, like... Where it's spell check, it doesn't even, it's so wrong, it doesn't even know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I do is I'll say it on, like, my phone and see what it says, like, you know, Siri. And that's been yeah. a huge, huge tool for me. Um, oh, absolutely. I remember in, in college I was writing a, a, a paper um, where, you know, it was, it was a policy paper um, for in social work. And I was talking about uh, judges who, what I thought was, rescue themselves. Not mm. recuse themselves. And like yep. I was so embarrassed when I was like, oh my gosh, like I thought like the word because it, it sort of makes sense. Like you rescue yourself because you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to have this conflict of interest. So yeah. that that makes sense, right? <laughs> but the word is actually recuse. Uh, like definitely and like defiantly, I can never get those uh right. I will mm -hmm. often add extra words or repeat words when I'm like writing. Or like the order of the words like don't come out right. Like when I rewrite it, I was like, what was I trying to say here? Mm -hmm. 
I, my, my wife always gives you a hard time for this one. Is I randomly capitalized words in the middle of sentences. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. And it's a, a big one where I realized, which I think is a, a sort of maybe a, a cousin of dyslexia, is uh, dyscalculia. I think that's how I'm saying it right. Dyscalculia. Dis- yes. Dyscalculia. So I guess I have not been saying it right. Um, yeah. It's like I got to rescue myself from, from saying that. <laughs> uh, um, so when I realized that, it was um, when I first started my, my business and I was entering credit card numbers into a credit card machine. And I would enter it, you know, three, four, five times in a row. And it kept saying, you know, invalid card. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. So I asked my wife, I'm like, will you just watch me as I'm entering this? I'm like, what am I doing? And she like said, like, I, what would happen if there was an ordered number where there was a repeating number? So like 4889, I would mm-hmm. like enter it as 4899. And I would mm-hmm. like, keep doing that mistake over and over again. Right. And, you know, it, I didn't discover this until I was like maybe 31. And mm. it's like, no wonder why math was so hard for me. Right. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, and so now I know that is a, a um, that kind of patterning is really tricky for me. So now I, I sort of pay extra attention to that really slow down. Sometimes I will speak it or have it or sort of reprocess it. Um, but the more I learn about dyslexia, it's not just the, um, flipping D's and B's and Q's and P's. No, that's actually, I mean, the. I remember the after school special in the mid 80s that talked about the kid with dyslexia and he read words backwards and he, that's like 5% of people with dyslexia. That it's not, my son doesn't read words backwards. It's more about, again, the phonemic awareness, that automaticity, these principles that, you know, when you really think about it, are kind of amazing that people can just learn to read. I mean, in our evolutionary cycle, reading is fairly new. I mean, compared to, so it's a pretty interesting kind of concept in in that way. If you have a hard time, I mean, breaking down a word, imagine now reading a sentence, imagine reading a paragraph, imagine reading a page, and then comprehending that. So even when you can decode the word, so when you can get the letters down, now it's the amount of energy that that could take could now impair the energy that's reserved for comprehending the Mm -hmm. reading and for being fluent with it and reading sort of with fluency. So with dyslexia, it's very important to sort of test for decoding, for fluency, for comprehension. Now, where ADD can come into it is that certainly we know that people with ADHD can have comprehension issues as well, but because of issues of inattention or an inability to focus on it versus if you have that person focus on it and say, can you read the sentence, they have mm-hmm. no problem doing it. It's very different than dyslexia. Like that you can, it's like speaking Chinese. It's like presenting them with a foreign language and asking them to reread it. They're not going to reread it any better. So I know that a, a, um, a common sort of diagnostic tool that is done in, uh, in for ADHD is where you will read your, your, the person in your office, a, a one or two paragraphs and sort of just ask them to summarize some things or some key points. Mm-hmm. Um, I've often had a hard time with that um mm-hmm. I, i'm better at that now but when i was a student like that was you know it's like what did you read i have no idea what i just read mm-hmm. um and it's a part of it is being able to it's that working memory being able to re- hold on to what you just read in those first two sentences so you can piece it together what's what's happening in those next two or three sentences right um but being able to like remember things like um like the the characters names the um like the locations do you think that's more ADHD type stuff? 
Yes. And what's interesting is that um, I remember we, we were big beach people. We love going to the beach and um, the beach that's we go to is about 40 minutes from my house. And I remember when my son was in second grade, I had an audio book on CD that actually a, a patient of mine had written this children's book. And in this book has so many different characters that I could not follow. Like I have a very hard time taking in sort of that auditory information. Mm -hmm. I just had it on just to kind of kill time because we leave super early in the morning. And so when we were coming back, this was the first time I realized how excellent my son's auditory skills were, auditory processing skills were, um, far surpassing mine, because I said, oh, I don't even, I could barely even remember what was happening in the book, let alone these characters. And he remembered, he said, oh, well, we left off where, so in, you know, John Smith was talking to Mary Jones about this, 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 this. And I thought, wow, that's like amazing that you remember all that. Like, because I have an excellent memory and general, like long-term memory. I can remember my first grade class and my, all my classmates mm -hmm. and where they sat and what our class pictures looked like. But I could not follow that at all. And so even though he also has ADHD, thankfully, and maybe it's because the dyslexia sort of has compensated in some ways, he has excellent auditory skills that he can, and this, these are one of the assistive technologies for people with dyslexia. There are organizations, one is called Learning Ally. If you have a child with dyslexia, you should know about Learning Ally. Um, Understood.org is a fantastic organization, but Learning Ally, Bookshare is another one, which offer uh, people who are diagnosed with dyslexia a, a multitude of different audiobooks, including if you're going to college, like there could be college textbooks that are all you know, digital now. Um, and it's not to necessarily replace learning to read because, you know, my son's getting the services that he needs, um, which for parents out there who might be listening to this can probably empathize. It's not an easy process depending on what school system you're dealing with. Fortunately, I, I live in a very good town with a good school system, but I also recognize the privilege of being in this field and having the knowledge and education that I do, having knowing to get my son tested right before first grade. And I really feel for parents who just, you just don't know what you don't know, right. you know? And right. it's so, I empathize so greatly because I'll, I'll hear from parents that my son and I do a lot of dyslexia advocacy work. Um, actually, we both testified at the Massachusetts State House a couple of years ago um, regarding these two bills that were in the Senate and the House uh, regarding dyslexia. And my son wrote by himself, unaided by me, why it was important for early identification, why he's so... Um, he feels so validated by the term dyslexia that it's not a bad word. Um, and of course, I had to hold back the tears just, you know, hearing. I, I, I mean, this is like the third or fourth time I've heard the story and I still got goosebumps when you tell it. It was, amazing. I wish I could have videoed it, but it was so, I mean, here he, we're in this, you know, this, the Senate. I mean, the sort of the, the, the state house in Massachusetts with all these, you know, legislature, legislatures and senators and he was, and he said, you know, that three of the sharks on Shark Tank, which is his favorite show because he wants to be an entrepreneur, three of his, the sharks are dyslexic. Um, and, you know, he said that there's, but he goes, you, this can be the thing that can basically destroy you if you don't get the right intervention and can disable you 
or this could be the thing that sort of can help you thrive because it, just like we talk about Eric and the ADHD community, you know, that I don't look at ADHD as a gift or a curse. It just is. And if you don't know that you have it, if you don't have the proper framework, if you don't have the proper support, it could disable you. And if you have the proper support and the right strategies, for me personally, I, can, I wouldn't want any other brain. I like my ADHD brain. I totally know how slippery it can get, and I know that there are, it can go to dark places if I'm not careful, but it, it, it's almost like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's all kind of mixed in together, and I attribute a lot of my creativity to this idea that my, I sort of just think outside the box because we, we're, we're bored just being in the box. <laughs> and dyslexics are really not that different. I mean, you'll find in that community, what's interesting is I do a lot of talks in the dyslexia communities, and they don't know, I, or I shouldn't say they don't know, but I educate them about ADHD um, because I think they often have the same misconceptions um, that people with ADHD might have about dyslexics. Questions I had or, or thoughts that came to my mind is one, when do I get to interview Roman for the show? You know, actually, it was funny. The other day he was saying, he goes, can we do one of these things together? And I thought, you know, he's, and he's, he's, he's 11. I mean, he's almost my height. Um, and I, we should, we, we'll definitely talk about that because I think that he loves doing, I mean, this kind of work. He's, he's a talker. I don't know where he got that from. Um, and <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Um, and he is, he's just an awesome awesome kid um but yeah he could tell you very well about what his experience you know has been he gets very good services and for those of you out there what's important is with dyslexia this is not a matter of just um more reading of the same thing you need a specific type of intervention there are these different programs one is called the wilson program one's linda mood bell one's orton gillingham these are all separate programs and none of them are better than the other. It just depends on like the nuances of your dyslexia. But if your child has dyslexia, they need a different way of learning. They cannot be in a class with other kids who are just, you know, might be poor readers, but don't have dyslexia. Big, big difference. Can you, can you show some of the sort of teaching methods that some of these programs have that are, that are different to help people learn? Sure, that a lot of it is is really hammering in a lot of these uh, phonemic awareness uh, principles. It's interesting. I, we were at a meeting at my son's school, and you know, I, I didn't I didn't even know you know half of these things like closed syllable types and open syllable types. Like he's learning about reading in a way that is so specific that most people never learn because they don't have to. Like it just comes automatic to them. It sort of sounds like how I've learned about time management. I've sort of had to because like I just didn't get it. Absolutely. So he has it broken down. Like he he can talk about reading in a way that I can't even talk about. Like awesome. he knows what, a, I don't know what a closed syllable type is. We never really learned it that way. So it's, and it's one-on-one. -on -one. He has a one-on-one -on -one instruction for, for a lot of these basics. And he's in a small group with other kids with dyslexia. And, and we're fortunate because he's in a public school. And in my town, they have a language-based learning disability classroom. Mm -hmm. And I recognize every day, the fortune that we have that our school system offers this because most school systems do not and a lot of kids languish in in 
public schools and private schools as well. Because in fact, it's even worse in private schools because they don't have the special education unless it's a private school geared towards kids with learning disabilities. Um, unfortunately, I mean, we have two wonderful ones in the state of Massachusetts. One is $52,000 a year and the other is $45,000 a year. So most people cannot afford that. Right. And so a lot of these parents are stuck as to working with the school systems. And again, a lot of times, I mean, school systems, teachers are doing the best that they can do, but there is a frustration level sometimes of people not understanding. You know, I've had, I have patients who I have advocated on behalf of who have been, their parents were told, well, he just needs to repeat the grade. Worst, worst thing you can do for someone with dyslexia. In fact, repeating a grade increases that child's chance that they're not going to graduate high school. Because it's as if I'm telling you, if you don't know how to speak Chinese and all my instruction is in Chinese and you're totally not getting it, and it's like me telling you, we'll just have you repeat the year and I'll still speak to you in Chinese and you'll eventually get it. But that doesn't happen. That's not how it works. So do not, like people have to understand this is not a, a poor reader. So um, when you get testing, it's very important looking at discrepancies. So if you have somebody, let's say, whose verbal comprehension is low, like that, that has a consistent profile, that might not necessarily be dyslexia. It's someone where just everything sort of might, it might take a certain amount of time. It doesn't mean they still need services and accommodations, but it's a little bit different than, like my son scored in the 98th percentile in vocabulary and verbal comprehension. So it was shocking. Um, and, and actually, this is another thing that's so important, um, which I'll talk about, but it, it can be shocking to people that he has dyslexia because he's very articulate and, and well-spoken. So that is even more reason why his reading skills should not be as low as they are, given those verbal skills. It, it almost reminds me of the analogy we often hear in ADHD, where we're like, he can't have ADHD, he could pay attention to that video game for, for hours. Absolutely. Or, or people associating ADHD with intelligence, like, oh, he's such a smart, bright person. Like right. he doesn't, and it's like, well, no, that, that's not to do with it. how it works. Right. Um, and getting diagnosed is as early as possible is super important because obviously you want the right interventions, the right services, but that child's self-esteem is very fragile. You know, at a very young age, and it becomes very evident reading, unlike math, because I, also, would um, like you, Eric, I, there's no doubt that if I were a student today, I'd be diagnosed with dyscalculia because mathematics from, it's interesting, I was okay with addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. I got that down. Everything after that was a utter struggle. And the only reason I pulled C's, which was, that was my A and math was a C, was I did all the homework. And when you do your homework, it brought my failing test grades, which I got D's and F's on tests. But I did all my homework and that, and I participated as best I could, even though I had no idea what I was talking about, um, was virtually impossible I mean, for me to get through. It was very, very, very difficult. But reading, like you, you don't have to do pre-calculus every day in your life, but you have to read, like you have yeah. to get through the, the work, you have to, to drive, you have to read signs, you have to, so your child's self-esteem is impaired from day one. And a lot of parents and who are very well-intentioned will say, well, I don't want them to have this label of dyslexia. And let me tell you that not only do they, are they comforted by this label, but the label is not what makes them feel different. Not reading is what makes them feel different. Well, what about for adults though? Who, adults who maybe have struggled with reading their whole life and are 
wondering, and you know, maybe they they know they have ADHD, and they you know I would assume so they're listening to this program. Um, who are thinking? Well, may, is it is it dyslexia? What do you recommend for adults? It's a good question. Now, for adults, what's interesting is to be tested with dyslexia for adults is very very tricky, and okay. the reason is the the, the manifestation of dyslexia in adults for most adults with dyslexia is that they're slow readers. In other words, by adulthood, most dyslexics, even if they were not intervened or treated, they have sort of compensated for a lot of those skills. Um, They might even memorize words. Like one of the things even, and this is you know, just another tip for parents is that I remember early on my son that when he, you know, they would have, have him read certain passages and he would score higher than our private testing showed he would score. And I said, well, you understand like with nonfiction and fiction, two different types of reading. And I was always someone to, I haven't read a fiction book in 25 years. I don't, I never, I was a nonfiction reader. And my son is a nonfiction reader, but I told him the difference is he needs to know how to read fiction. And then after college, if he never wants to read a fiction book, that's fine. But the reason a lot of dyslexics will gravitate to nonfiction is it's pretty much the same vocabulary. And you can memorize those words. And I said, you know what? I think he's memorizing these words. I don't think he's decoding them. I think that you're presenting him with the word and he's almost like memor like if if you memorize the word bat, that could get you by if the word bat you're presented with but let's say you're presented with cat that's the memorization of bat is not going to help well, let you. me ask you a question about that so it is does font then matter because it sounds like he's memorizing or it can be memorized sort of as a whole right so it's, yes. you're almost seeing it as a picture that's exactly right so does the font matter and i and also i want to ask you about the i've seen this this uh, dyslexic font um so can you talk about both of those issues In March 2017, ADHD Rewired celebrates three years of podcasting. Can you believe I haven't missed a week? From the podcast to the coaching group, specifically to the 174 members who have been a part of one of 16 coaching groups over eight seasons, I just want to say thank you for growing with me. If you want to grow beyond the podcast, on the podcast, you hear a lot of great ideas and you get to connect on the listening end with people. If you want to go beyond that and you have a desire to connect with people who share your same struggles and you want to put those great ideas in place in a way where you're going to have the most success, then sign up for the coaching group because it'll totally change your life. It'll move you forward and it's absolutely worth it. Come grow with us this spring. Go to coachingrewired.com and let me know you want to get your ADHD rewired. That's coachingrewired.com. Did you miss the ADHD Women's Palooza? Did you know that you could purchase the recordings of all 36 sessions, including my session, for only $197? In addition to getting instant access to all the audio and video from all 36 sessions, you'll also get downloadable bonuses from all of the speakers. And because I've partnered with ADHD Palooza, a portion of your purchase goes to support this podcast. Go to erictivers.com slash palooza so they know that I sent you. That's erictivers.com slash palooza. That's P-A-L-O-O-Z-A. 
Yeah, it's interesting. There, there is this font that has um, been shown to be helpful for people with dyslexia. I know some people who say it is helpful for them. Um, my son and other people I know don't particularly respond to it, um, but I could. It makes sense to me how some people could definitely respond to that because the word then it does become a picture, and so you want to make sure that that child is is actually decoding the word. Um, but but on self esteem, which is so important, is that when my son was diagnosed, so he was six years old. And, you know, we sat down with him and I got him these children's books on dyslexia. And I said, so, you know, your this reading issue is something called dyslexia. We said the word. I said, this is what it is. And, um, and he, you know, could take it in. I said, you know, daddy had issues with reading as well. Um, I go, but there are going to be some people who are going to think you're stupid because of this. And that's not... That's not true. They just don't understand this. Now, you can obviously frame it to however language you think your kid will hear, but I was being as honest as possible and saying, because people think, oh, and then there are going to be some people who are going to be shocked and surprised because you're a very articulate speaker. And the word, like he, Roman, my son was the, was the kind of kid that I could use this big vocabulary word, and he would never say, what does that mean? He intuitively would always know what a word meant. My, by my the son's very much like that. Yeah. And he would then use it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, like he totally, whereas my daughter who does not have dyslexia, I'll use a word. I used a word the other day. I forgot which word. And she goes, what does that mean? And which is appropriate, developmentally appropriate. But at my son at that age would never, ask, he would just kind of have a sense of like what it was. And I said, so they're they're not accurate. Now, some people might be mean about it, and some people are really just going to be surprised. And we actually role-played mm. different situations that might come up. Like if someone says, you can't read, you know, how do you respond and how do you... And one of my proudest moments as, as a father is literally two weeks after that conversation, I started first grade, he came, you know, I picked him up from school and he said, daddy, daddy, said we were in a music class and we were reading words to a song and and in first grade he was a non-reader i mean he i mean severe severe dyslexia he's made tremendous progress um i mean he's in a very very different place now um after you know years of, of intervention but he said i couldn't read the words so i asked the girl next to me could you read these words to me or can I sing with you? And she said, what, what do you mean? You can't read them? It was, and it was a simple song, you know, mm -hmm. he got the sense that from the way other people were responding to, nobody else had a problem with it. And she goes, you can't read? And he said calmly to her, no, I have this thing. It's called dyslexia. It makes reading very difficult. Walt Disney actually was dyslexic. And, um, and she goes, oh, okay. And she read the words to him and all was well. Mm -hmm. And that's a moment right there that, I think, oh my gosh, if I didn't introduce this term to him, if I didn't introduce this context, immediately that would have been the erosion of his self-esteem. Like, I am stupid. Like, wow. Like, I, you know, this person is telling me you can't read. And it's not to say that he's immune from that because it's frustrating. It's a very, very difficult thing. And there have been many times, you know, that in tears, you know, where despite all of this knowledge, despite you know, obviously this acceptance in our household, it's frustrating to have this. It's very frustrating. And um, it's, but that self-esteem piece is so important. And the word dyslexia studies actually show that when kids are given that term, their self-esteem actually elevates and increases. I remember in my, in my uh, graduate school research, I was, uh, I was looking at 
self-awareness, self-advocacy skills, and self-determination for students with disabilities, and cross-categorical, like knowing what's going on with you, having the words to describe it, it's absolutely, it, it helps in all situations. Absolutely. And, and what's important too is with dyslexia, there are certain things that having it is understanding. So for example, like foreign languages are typically very, very difficult for people with dyslexia, understandably. I mean, if you have a hard time decoding the English language that you're in contact with every day. Now, what's interesting though, is I've had a, a number of patients over the years who have taken Chinese, who have taken um, sign, American Sign Language, and excel in those mm-hmm. because with with uh, the Mandarin language, it's pictorial, it's yes. very visual. Yes. And with sign language, it's very kinesthetic. And so, you know, my, you know, we, my son has a foreign language waiver, um, but maybe later on in life, you know, in college or maybe even in high school, thinking about those things might be sort of more interesting. Spelling to be honest, is probably, you know, studies show that that pretty much persists into adulthood. Um, so it's not that you shouldn't put your energy into it, but I always let parents know, you know, don't expect a, a monumental change in terms of spelling. So when I'm working with, uh, with uh, kids and adults, I always let them know about this. Uh, there's a, um, uh, it's, I think for, for Google Chrome, it's a plugin called uh, Grammarly. Have you ever mm. heard of this? I have, yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing because yep. it will like, you know, it knows if you write the word then versus than, and I still to this day get those two confused. Like I like had to think through it, but then even then I'm I'm I, I get it confused, mm-hmm. right? Like it knows if, if I meant the other one, and it's like thank you, Grammarly. You know, it knows if I have too many commas or not enough commas or, um, and so things like it's using these tools to uh, to help with these kinds of things is so important because it's like. When in life, in you know, outside of school, does like do we have to be able to memorize how we spell things, right? Like, exactly. Literally exactly. ever. Um, so let me ask you this: so when we think about the tools and strategies that are helpful for um, for sort of productivity with ADHD, um, the many of these strategies are also really helpful for people without ADHD. Right. What are some of the things that you have seen so far um, for for your son? that have been helpful with for his reading that would probably also be helpful for people without dyslexia who might also just struggle a little bit with reading. Absolutely. That um, a lot of the techniques around, you know, after you read, you know, I, my, how I, one of the strategies I used um, and looking back, it's, it's interesting that I sort of use this is that I, if I used to pretend I was teaching a classroom that I knew that I knew material when I could teach it effectively. So I used to have this imaginary classroom in my dorm room and I would say, okay, class, like, and I would talk out loud. I mean, this wasn't all in my head. I mean, I would, and I knew then whether I really knew something or not. And so talking with um, either your child or if you're an adult, you know, talking, if you read something, talk to someone that your spouse, your friend about, oh, there's this book I'm reading and let me tell you about it. And did it because every time you talk, your brain is now processing and yes. putting sort of together the bits of information that you can perfect sort of how you comprehend that information. Mm-hmm. And that's good for, for all of us. Okay. Um, and I, I, use a, I use a similar strategy when I'm getting ready to uh, give a presentation for the first time. Yeah. I'll go on like Google Hangouts and I won't even announce it, but it will be there on my feet and I'll just, I'll hit a live 
Google Hangouts, because I, I know that someone might come in the room. So that mm-hmm. gives me sort of that accountability pressure of someone might be watching. So That's I really great. have to do and it, it just turns something on in my brain that actually really helps me uh, practice and sort of that, pretending that I'm doing it in front of other people. That's a great idea. And actually, you know, you always come to mind for me, Eric, around um, – uh, using technology and using apps and 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 I'm always impressed by the knowledge that you have around sort of all of these and and with dyslexia it's just as important actually we we need you to you know to write a similar article that you've written for ADHD for people with dyslexia because I can't keep track of all of them but Grammarly is a I'm so glad you mentioned that because for people to know there are these technologies out there there are audiobooks there's grammarly there are you know beeline reader you know that oh, one. oh yes so they, absolutely i actually really like that because it's it, it basically takes all the the text that's on your your page and makes a color gradient and yes. so it makes it super easy to scan and you're not going to skip lines that's something that i that i will often do is i'll skip lines and I'm like wait this doesn't make sense oh because I, I skipped a line so it just it's um, amazing how it, it just makes reading so much faster Oh, absolutely. And I remember as a kid, I used to have to put a ruler on the lines and read line by line by line by line, because I find even today, I rarely read word to word to word to word to word. I just, I don't know, I'm I'm skipping words. And sometimes it's, I think the ADD, like, okay, let's get through this. You know, I want this information. And like with, again, with nonfiction, I'm actually very good at synthesizing in from the bigger picture with the small pieces of data. With fiction, you can't do that. And that's what made fiction always wow. more challenging for me is you need to know like the whole arc of something. I never thought about it that way. That's, that makes a lot of sense. It's a totally different demand on reading. And for testing wise, for people, for parents out there, if you have your child tested, and particularly with dyslexia, have them test both fiction and nonfiction. Oh, that's so interesting. You might see a huge discrepancy even between the two of those. I remember being, when I was in grad school, we, I had a professor, his name was uh, Rick Van Aker, and he's written books, and he's like, he was, he's like an ADHDer's dream as a, as a student <laughs> because, you know, every other word out of his mouth was like an F-bomb, right? So he, <laughs> he's long hair, like, just awesome, awesome teacher. And during the, it was the um, uh, exceptional child class. So I was, um, you know, my, my specialty was in school social work. So I had to take a, this class in the education department. Yeah. And um, so it was the exceptional child class. And uh, we were on this unit of uh, learning and reading disabilities. Mm. And part of the exam, and it was such a, it, what an amazing like, teacher this guy was. So he had this exam where we had to read a four page article and answer questions, except this four page article was he distorted the type font. He made where like half of a word would be connected to one word and then spaced in the wrong place and part of it would be shifted yeah. up. And so I start this, I'm like, all right, how am I gonna do this? So I start reading, I start looking my way watch and I start, I read the first paragraph and I'm decoding, I'm actually decoding all of it. And then I look, I'm like, okay, this strategy isn't gonna work. Like, cause it, it's gonna take me way too long to actually do this. Yeah. And then so, okay, so I thought of a different strategy. Um, have you ever seen that they, um, uh, where you have like, uh, it's a, it's a demonstration where it shows how your brain sort of filters information real it'll, uh, a phrase will flash on the screen and then go away and mm, there's a repeating mm-hmm. word on there, but your brain, like, because it's so quick, it just eliminates it. Yes. Yep. Okay. So I remember thinking about that. I'm like, okay, maybe that will work. So I just sort of start like scanning it like this and try to almost like look at it faster than like reading it. 
And I'm like, that actually really worked. But then I was thinking, but wow, because you have to have good fluency in reading to even be able to do something like that. Right. And it was in, and he and people were complaining, like people were so mad about this exam because he graded it as is. And he says, so when you have a student who is complaining about something not being fair because they're struggling with reading, I want you to remember this exam. Oh, and it was amazing. I mean, he gave all those opportunities for extra credit, so it was fair, you know. Yeah. But but that that really came to mind about like just the the understanding what it's really like to have these um uh, these different challenges, and that was a that that was a great sort of uh, experiential sort of learning. I think Fat oh. City is another one. The, the, the video of where they he does these demonstrations at uh, Rick Lavoy. Um, I can't remember both of these guys' names just now. That was that's very unlike me. Uh, <laughs> usually, I'm like this guy who. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, the the different intervention, the different strategies. Um, so we're talking about the the um, the, the fonts, the gradients, the using a, a ruler, um, using uh, text speech um, thing. You know, one text strategy speech. I use, Roberto, that that you might be interested in. When usually I have all my stuff edited before it goes out, if it's like an email that I'm sending out, because it's it's sort of a rule that I have. Because every time I violate the rule, I'm always like, "Oh no!" Because my <laughs> wife will in the morning, she'd be like, "I got your email this morning." I'm like, what did I do? And it's like, without fail, every time there's like this big error. I'm like, "How did I not see that?" So what I do is I select all the paste and I have it read it to me. Because when it reads it to me, I will catch all those double words. I will catch the, yes. the if I reverse a word order. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's so helpful. Yes, absolutely. And with my, with my son's essays, you know, we always will read it. I'll read it out loud to him. And similarly, he'll be like, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean to write that or insert that or, you know, and, and things like punctuation, grammar, and writing also is highly affected by dyslexia as well. We think of dyslexia as a, as a reading issue. It affects spelling, as I mentioned, but it also expe- uh, affects writing because your ability to, you know, use vocabulary, the ability to put words together, to spell those words, to it can really impact that as well. So it, it can be you know, again, if it's when not intervened, when not identified, um, could be hugely negatively impactful um, on, on somebody's life. And, and even, you know, today, my son's in middle school, he's in sixth grade, and we're acutely aware that, you know, it's very effortful for him. Like, he knows it's, it's very effortful, and it's going to continue to be. I mean, high school is going to be another challenge, but that at least he knows that, okay, this is what I have to do to get to where you know, I want to go to. And so you can thrive with dyslexia as long as you're, you're getting the right tools. And it's those, those three things that I mentioned um, earlier, the, the self-awareness, self-advocacy skills, and self-determination. Because all the research yeah. shows it's not the disability that's going to impact your ability to get ahead in the world. It's if you have a disability and you have these three things, like you look no different on paper uh, to anybody else. I couldn't agree more. And actually what pains me is when I work with college students who have um, dyslexia or ADHD who don't register at the disability center in their college campus because they don't want to get, um, they don't want to use it as a crutch, they say. They don't want um, an advantage. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't what this is. I said, this is putting you on a level playing field. I said, you're at a complete disadvantage not getting those services. And then Unfortunately, 9.9 out of 10 times, they languish and they, you know, will fail their first semester. And 
I'll say you have to go. And it's, and it's not, um, again, it's not that you're not doing the work that everybody else is doing. You're just getting these sort of supports that you need. And so I couldn't agree more that self-awareness, self-advocacy piece is huge, huge. Well, Roberto, I know that uh, our time is a little bit limited today. You, I know you have a busy schedule. Um, so let's see. We've over the course of this podcast, uh, from the beginning, we you've been on talking about sleep. You've, you've mm. been here on talking about uh, eating disorders. I think. Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, OCD. Mm-hmm. Now dyslexia. What's next? And and we spoke about bipolar disorder. We did, yes. So yes. bipolar, yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. I am a true repeat offender. You are, you are, you are, you, you there's a big gap oh. in between like you and like people who have been on more than once. <laughs> oh, there's lots more we could talk about. So whatever, whatever topic you or your listeners, um, I do, I mean, I do a lot of work on ADHD and, and addictive behaviors, addiction, um, whether it's drug addiction um, or sexual addiction, uh, that whole sort of, you know, chemistry, which I think is really important for anyone. I mean, I think actually Russell Barkley might have actually said, I, I, I want to quote him. I think he had said that if your ADHD is not treated or you're not using the proper strategies, you will have some type of addictive behavior. And I agree with that. I think that it can come out in different forms, you know, in different ways. It's not always drugs and alcohol. Um, but if if you're not aware of that kind of chemistry, it's very easy to fall into something like that. All right. I think that might be the next show. We did uh, um, just recently have on... Um, and now here I am with the names where I know the name and it just, well, it's like a recall issue or it's like, <laughs> oh, that name part of my brain, it just, it, it teases me because like, <laughs> I know the name and then it's just like, I mean, it's happens with people I even know very well. Oh yeah, oh, me too. I'm great with faces. Visually, I can remember faces from 30 years ago, but David, names- David, um, oh man. David, real quick, I'm going on to my website. So I can... <laughs> Templin, Pintel. Is that kind of just like oh, right there? Templin? Templin, yes. Mm-hmm. So think about it. So I just write Pintel, which is like, think about the name, right? Yes. Is this yeah. dyslexia? It's, it sounds it's, it's a in little, the, it's in the yeah. ballpark, isn't it? <laughs> it's in the ballpark. <laughs> so I just had him on um, uh, talking about that as well. And that, I think, was, that was just out, actually, uh, the, the, oh, okay. recording this. So, but yeah, let's um, uh, let's let's have you back on and talk about addiction. And uh, sure. you know, if we focus on sexual addiction, that, addiction that'll be great for SEO. Um, you know, so you'll get people to, to listen to, but that's always a fun topic. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever you need me for. I'm always, this is always fun for me, so... So I just love the idea of just disseminating information. And, um, and I love listening to your podcast. I mean, just the interviews you do with other people are great. Well, thank you so much. Um, let people know where they can reach you. Um, well, I don't have a Facebook or Twitter and or a website. Um, good old-fashioned email, uh, Roberto, R-O-B-E-R-T-O underscore Olivardia, which is O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A at hms.harvard.edu. And I always welcome emails. Um, and in fact, I mean, many of the podcasts that we've done, I get great emails from people all over the country, um, sometimes actually from other parts of the world, um, 
but just really good insights or good points or questions or um, looking for services in their area for people who, I remember the OCD show we did, there was someone who realized from that show that they had OCD and they were looking for OCD services. I love hearing stuff like that. I love that. And I, and I'll find it for them. You know, I mean, so by all means, shoot me an email. That's awesome. We'll get the links to that in the show notes and in the comments on uh, for, for YouTube. Um, so real, thank you so much as always. This is always Absolutely. so much fun. Same here. Take care. This has been Eric Tivers, and I want to thank you for listening and congratulations. You made it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find additional summaries and resources for each episode, learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. You want to see interviews with content not heard on the podcast? Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. Don't just be a passive listener. Be an active member of the community. Submit your request to join our free and growing community on Facebook. Watch your message inbox. You will get a message either from myself or Nisha Subramanian. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, family, and clients. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, tell them about this show. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. And if you really love this particular episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person, and I count on you to help me spread the word and get this message out there. One of the biggest things that you really can do to support this podcast and help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? You could start with Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfections or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability. If you've already listened to those, then you might want to move on to Daring Greatly or her most recent book, Rising Strong. This is Eric Tivers, and I want to leave you with a question. Do you stay up late to finish work so you only sleep for five hours and then the next day you have trouble focusing so you stay up late to finish work? If so, you might be in the ADHD productivity sleep cycle. Try this instead. Go to sleep, get an accountability partner to check in with about your sleep time, get more sleep, get more done. Thanks for listening. Until next time.